Welcome to Tranquility Magazine Podcast with your host, Jasmine Maya Royce. We're here to motivate you on your body, mind, and spirit. Welcome to the show. Sarah Kachera has been a championing health practitioner professionally for over a decade and personally for her whole life. A licensed chiropractor, a certified Ayurvedic practitioner, registered yoga teacher and yoga therapist and entrepreneur. She is a founder of Lick Healing Art Center and Herbal Apothecary in Kansas City, Missouri, where she combines her methods to help others find well-being. Sarah is the author of Ayurvedic Self-Care Handbook and the Seven Ways of Ayurveda. Thank you very much, Sarah, for today and having the time to have this chat. So I want to ask you, how do people find your website? Yeah, so the easiest way is to visit my website, which is thelekkc.com, so T-H-E-L-E-K-K-C.com. I also have a personal website, which is sarahcuchera.com, and that's the easiest way. You'll find all the info there. So Sarah is spelt with a S-A-R-A. A-H, which you find the information in the bio, and also her last name is spelled K-U-C-E-R-A. Thank you. Just so <laughs> we can clarify, but you would find most of this information in the bio in the show notes today. So <laughs> let me know, what is your current mantra for today or this month? Ah, so it's a great question because I have a handful of mantras that I kind of choose based off of where I am in the day or in my life. Right now, it's kind of more... It's not really glamorous. It's more in the lines of routine creates room for spontaneity. Um, Yeah. And so you can imagine I'm not like, that's not something I'm saying to myself all day long, but I catch myself with regularity, um, wanting to resist having a schedule. Okay. And I know that this is not unfamiliar to many people. Um, I actually like having a schedule, Mm -hmm. but because my practice really pushes me into having a schedule so much that I know like where I'll be and what I'll be doing every 15 minutes of my mm-hmm. you know whole day I resist having a schedule outside of work and I also am self-employed which means I can kind of create my own schedule right mm-hmm. so this mantra is important for me because when I have time to do the things that I want to do or do the things that I also really need to do I don't want to schedule them. <laughs> but what I also know is that if I do put those times in, whether it's a time block saying mm-hmm. it's going to be these types of activities at a certain time, or even plugging in, um, you know, I'm going to work out at this time or laundry is at this time or cooking is at this time, mm-hmm. which I know on the surface sort of sounds rigid. But what I realize is that that creates a container for my mm-hmm. life. And that container actually allows me to root, re- to move outside of the container. Mm-hmm. It's when I don't know what I'm doing that I often don't have the discipline to do the things that I need to do to feel well. Mm-hmm. Um, or I reach a point where I'm so indecisive on what I want to do that I end up not doing anything at all. So there's like <laughs> zero action. Um, so like I said, not super glamorous, but that's the one for the moment. Yeah. yeah. You sound like a detailed scheduler. And so it's a good way mm-hmm. to kind of break yourself of that scheduled archetype to have that free time because some important places in life is to remind yourself to be a kid and play. And how totally. you find that is that spontaneous creativity and also mm-hmm. inspiration when it's not confined to a box of 
time mm-hmm. that you scheduled and it was like color coordinated scheduled in, in you know I, I I understand the same but it's mm-hmm. like I have free days or I have one that's called a me day I was like it's me day I was like it's not no yeah. one else today I was like yeah. I love all yeah. of you people but I was like it's my day <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's good and it's healthy for you so you are a practitioner of Ayurvedic styling, and I appreciate that. So can you briefly explain to the listeners what Ayurveda is and what it kind of focuses on in the history? Mm-hmm. Ayurveda is considered to be the oldest um, form of medicine on the planet, which is big. Mm-hmm. Um, it comes from India. It's a complete system of medicine. Um, the way that it's practiced here in the U.S. is a little bit different than where it originates, which is from India. Um, very much the same principles, but in India, you'll see Ayurvedic hospitals where there's even surgeries and different things being performed. And there's more definitive branches of medicine, mm-hmm. um, whereas here in the U.S., we have uh, a different degree of schooling, which allows us to practice in different ways. But all of that, no matter where you see an Ayurvedic practitioner or a therapist or or whatever the case may be, or an Ayurvedic doctor, all of those people are working from a system that is based in nature. And mm. the way I like to describe it is that if we are not in harmony with nature, and that means outer nature, like everything that's around us. So the room that I am in, the environment, like the natural environment that I'm Mm -hmm. in, I live in the Midwest, what the weather is like this time of year, but then also my own inner nature, which is different from someone else's inner nature. And that may, that may clash or it may coordinate with what's happening outside of me. And so if I cannot find that harmony with what's happening within the rhythms of nature outside and inside, then I become unwell. Mm-hmm. And so with that concept, we also understand that nature is comprised of different things. And we would say it's comprised of different elements. Um, mm-hmm. And these elements, there are five, there's ether, air, fire, water, and earth. Mm-hmm. And if we are going to say that we are a part of nature and that we live in harmony with nature, we also have to recognize that those elements exist within us as well. And mm-hmm. so the way that Ayurveda works is with this system that really appreciates this combination of elements that we have and how we express them. And the idea that each one of us might need something else to feel well, that's maybe different from the person like you, different from me, or even a family member, like I might need something Mm -hmm. different than my sibling or my parents need to feel my best. There are overarching guidelines and there's a strong emphasis on longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, so many of the practices have a preventive quality. So it's about maintaining health, but there's also a curative side as well. Um, so it's, it's very, very, very vast. Uh, and I will mention that you can't talk about Ayurveda without mentioning the word dosha. And mm-hmm. dosha yes. is the way that we describe the expression of elements within us. And to say that we have all of the elements, we are actually also saying that we have all of the doshas because these doshas are, we could call them constitutions. Dosha is a Sanskrit word. Yes. Um, doshas are comprised of two elements. So there's um, vata, which is ether and air uh, or mm-hmm. space and air and pitta, which is fire and water and kapha, which is water and earth. And because if you notice that I've covered all of the five elements in those three constitutions, we know mm-hmm. I have all the elements, I have all the doshas, but I have varying degrees of elements, which means the doshas are also expressed in me in a different way. 
Okay. And yeah, so those constitutions become important because it's often how we engage a balance is, I feel like kind of a buzzword sometimes, but it's not a balance of like work life balance. It's like, <laughs> it's like a, a degree of equanimity, like a, it's that harmony that I was saying before about how mm-hmm. do I balance if I'm a fiery person, which mm-hmm. would say I'm a pitta like person. Um, how do I balance that fire within me so that it can be expressed? Because that's who I am. Um, okay. You can't tell a fiery person to not be fiery. Um, you can't tell someone who likes to move to stop moving which is more like air or you can't tell someone who loves stillness which is more like earth to like push them to get them to move so there's a there's a part of that where it says we have to feed that nature but we also have to make sure that we don't get it in abundance because that's when we feel unwell Yes, too much of one element you were saying and expanding mm-hmm. on the idea would be overwhelming to another one, like you refer right. to the fire getting put out or like too much water in a fire, maybe. Mm-hmm. But you express in your book, The Seven Ways of Ayurveda, difference. Can you describe the difference? You kind of touched on it. Pita, Kappa, and Veda. And mm-hmm. I think I said them right. But can you expand on what they are? Because you give the five elements. Five elements. Yeah, I would love to explain that. And I think it's probably important to explain why I say there are five elements and there are three doshas, but the book is called the seven ways Mm -hmm. of Ayurveda, right? So the three doshas, the three constitutions are vata, which are which is the elements of ether and air. Ether is also called space. And so you can Think of this as if there is nothing or if you had a container that had nothing in it, including no air, that is space, right? Or another, one of my favorite examples is after a woman gives birth, Mm -hmm. that space that Mm -hmm. used to be occupied is now just space, right? So that's Mm -hmm. like the ether or the space element. So vata is our ether and air. And then pitta is fire and water. And now water shows up twice because water is also part of kapha, which is water and earth. So there are three constitutions. Now, the reason why the book is called The Seven Ways of Ayurveda is that we might tend to be primarily one of those Mm -hmm. constitutions. Uh, We might tend to be mostly two. And then that third one, it's present. It's always present. But it's maybe just low enough that we don't need to pay as much attention to it. Or in the most um, rarest of magical of ways, mm-hmm. um, you have someone that is tridoshic, and that would be having the equal expression of all three of those constitutions or doshas, which is also saying the same um, expression of all of the elements, all five elements are equally expressed within you. So that would take us to, we could be vata, we could be pitta, we could be kapha, we -hmm. could be vata pitta, we could be vata (laughs) kapha, we could be pitta kapha, or we could be tridoshic, which is all three. Okay. It's a little... (laughs) Everybody's different and unique in what you were expressing. So in the idea, because most practitioners have been, especially where I live in California, a lot of people have heard the term and maybe they've met someone that have used it before and... Some people are kind of reticent about the information that it bestows and how it can regulate yourself as a human body. So I will put myself as the um, test um, guinea pig for you because you do this for a living. So how, if I was coming into you to have a session, 
for mm-hmm. a sit down practice and this is our first time meeting and you are assessing me to put me in a different healing tactic or schedule or mm-hmm. idea, where would you go in the introduction for new client, myself included, mm-hmm. for the Ayurvedic policy and how it kind of operates for you? Mm-hmm. So if you were coming to me for a consultation, the first thing that I would do is is basically witness you and um, become very aware of your mannerisms, of the way you present yourself, um, your speech, many, many, many things. I'm also a chiropractor, and so some of this kind of comes naturally because I'm used to observing bodies and how mm-hmm. they move. So some things are very second nature and just kind of looking at the physical things right away. But Ayurveda has taught me more about understanding the non-physical and the non-tangible, which is more through the way that you interact with someone. And so these little things that I'm witnessing are really just clues. I don't want them to um, cause me to to come up with a conclusion as to Mm -hmm. someone's constitution immediately because I want to get to know them better and I want to know their story because Mm -hmm. that that to me is really, really important, especially when we're assessing someone's imbalance, like what has taken them to a point where they're no longer in balance and no longer feeling well. And so after that, um, you would get a lot of questions, mm-hmm. a lot of questions, primarily going from the categories of energy, sleep, digestion is huge within Ayurveda because mm-hmm. it's really thought that not only do we need to digest every everything that we take in in terms of, of food and like that type of consumption because that's mm-hmm. important for what our body is made of and how healthy we are, True. but everything, if we see something, we have to digest it. If we hear something, we have to digest it. We have to digest oh, conversations, mm-hmm. experiences. And so you you know what indigestion does to you on a, in a physical way. Mm-hmm. If you think about now, you can't process an experience or you can't mm-hmm. process a conversation. Um, even if you think about the way that TV shows or movies imprint on us, like that's also mm-hmm. something that we have to process, right? So in some ways, the more we take in, the worse we digest in any mm-hmm. regard, right? Mm-hmm. Um and sometimes we intentionally seek for um, easily digestible things to take it easy on ourselves. But digestion is huge. So you get a lot of questions. It makes a lot yeah. of sense on digestion it, itself yeah. because we've been focusing a lot in recent times about your gut health and how your gut is impacted. And basically, mm-hmm. I always say, trust your gut. If your gut says no, this is like it, it's also links because you're a chiropractor to mm-hmm. your nerve. So that nerve that's based from your spine to your stomach is kind of like the telltale of information going from the stomach to the head in a way that you're kind of filtering out what your instincts are kind of touching on and your experiences and everything that's around you will go to your gut first. And then if you get stressed, it ends up with a stomach infection or stomach will take the heat of, I guess, that idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's so much more widely accepted now that um, something in in a an emotional or a mental way can affect us physically and i also think the opposite is true right like something that can that physically happens to us whether we're dealing with pain or i mean pain primarily 
yes. it can affect us mentally and emotionally as well. And it, as you're saying, like that is through what many people call the second brain, that entire mm-hmm. nervous system within our gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I, I love that that connection can be made because many, many times we're looking at an accumulation of things that have happened. And so when we go back to this idea of digestion, it's looking at like, what are the experiences that you've had over the course of your life? Mm -hmm. And if you've noticed that there's a trend and and you can kind of mark and say, you know, I had this incident where I didn't feel well, what was happening during that time? And then you look at the next landmark and say, something happened here too. And I don't feel well there. Yeah. And you kind of do that for those points and you look back and go, Hmm, like I did have this experience is that mm. still with me? I mean, oh. just like a piece of food, right? That you yeah. didn't really process and eliminate. And if it is still with you and you haven't taken from it the things that you need to learn or the things that are going to nourish you and mm. then eliminate the the things that you no longer need, then those things that you haven't eliminated will still accumulate and accumulate and accumulate and accumulate, right? So, I understand that in a way that I used to, you're also a chiropractor, you mentioned this before, and the idea that I used to refer to your backpack of woes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this was the basis of the spinal cord in your back and how your Mm -hmm. emotions set on different areas. Like for my experience and knowledge, it's like the masculine men, and you've never been taught to bend your knees and pick things up, but also emotionally unsupported financially. And then the Mm -hmm. upper thing Mm -hmm. comes with most women. We wear a purse on one side or not on the other. And then we carry either other people's emotions on one side or our own on the other. And so when we have these, you know, or we carry a baby on one side or the other, we have a stronger right arm or a stronger left. And these things can have their effects on your actual body that you can't like a process that you have to like revisit and heal in a weird Mm -hmm. way. I mean, that experience in itself. Mm -hmm. Well, in the same analogy, because Ayurveda strongly focuses on what is recommended for seeing a practitioner in Ayurveda is far earlier than we would see in Western medicine. So, Mm -hmm. um, or the attention that you should give to a condition. So like right now it's, it's dry where I am. Okay. Um, even though I have a humidifier in the room, um, <laughs> I've been fully hydrating and having lots of oil oiling inside and outside, but my lips are a little dry. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the first sign that's for me that mm-hmm. something that I need to balance that. Okay. And if I don't, then something else will become dry. Maybe my eyes, mm-hmm. maybe it's my gut. Mm-hmm. And now if my gut becomes dry, now I can't eliminate. Interesting. So it's go to so to relate that to the idea of the backpack is like mm-hmm. if I don't pay attention to this dry lip thing because mm-hmm. I can put chapstick on, mm. I'm just covering it up, right? I don't yeah. that one tiny thing may not feel like it matters. Which like the backpack analogy, if I put one thing in my backpack, I can carry it for a while. Mm-hmm. If I load that backpack up and I'm never taking <laughs> stuff out, like you better believe not only will I have bad posture, not only mm-hmm. will I probably be aching, I'm going to be complaining. Like, oh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everyone around me is going to know that that backpack, that's heavy. Yes. So it's the same idea um, with that, with the accumulative effect is that we can carry um, and, and different constitutions are better at 
carrying loads than other mm-hmm. constitutions. Um, you can imagine a, an air or an, an ether, mm-hmm. um, spacey type of constitution can't carry much, right? Like, no. Mm-hmm. They will deplete much faster than our earth. The mm-hmm. earthy people can shoulder a lot before they really notice it becoming a problem. Yeah, so they're more foundational the, for yeah, my the understanding. And the curse, right? Mm-hmm. So you have, if you're air, you might feel like you get sick quicker, you might um, deplete faster, you might need more rest. But that can actually be really great because you're getting these little micro pauses, meaning yeah. that the bigger things may not accumulate. But you see the earth people, they're carrying, they're carrying, they're adding, they're adding, they're carrying, they're adding. Mm-hmm. And they can push and they can push and they can push. And then all of a sudden they have a major illness because True. those little tiny things, they could just kind of bat out of the way, like interesting, like kind of pushing aside, clearing a path. And then the next thing you know, something big has happened. Yeah. It's like the catastrophe has come to the precipice of the time that mm-hmm. you have been avoiding it. And now it's like, take a breath, stop. Because I, I talk a lot that recently I've I've been encountered a lot of friends of mine and we have like a three or four things that I see uh, readily. You talked about chapped lips and dry eyes. And that is predominantly here in Los Angeles. We are a dry desert community. This is a very dry climate. It's no moisture really unless you're close mm-hmm. to things. And the humidifier is great because when you turn the air on, it drops the moisture from the air. And if mm-hmm. you're not really aware, I mean, I love chapstick and I like sunscreen and I like, you know, now I have to do eye drops consistently because mm-hmm. that hydration is missing from the air that it's mm-hmm. not really hitting me the same way. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes from are their environments and where they are and where they base, but also we're in a, a stress-filled community of mm-hmm. Los Angeles, of a rat race, of everyone, trying mm-hmm. to get everything done in a way that is unachievable. When you were talking about scheduling earlier and the idea that I make schedules, I'm an entrepreneur, most of my friends are also entrepreneurs and have a schedule. And it's important to have one to keep us consistent to achieve these goals. But I back up in a way that I have to remind them that the stress is impacting their health conditions their breathing or their foundation or they have more pain. And then because we had that COVID understanding, everyone isolated in their own self and how are you communicating and working with yourself too Mm -hmm. in a way that you haven't taken care of yourself in forever and now you've crashed and burned and crashed and burned again. Mm -hmm. And so Ayurveda, I think, would be an understanding that would help because it is a healing factor for that Mm -hmm. stress intake. And when you take on stress and emotional inconsistencies or self-love, you kind of, you are a 10 and now you're a two, maybe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And in that vein, I think the greatest gift that Ayurveda can give us with regards to uh, stress, like coping mechanisms or stress management, because we know we can't eliminate all stress, right? So Mm -hmm. If we're unable to get it to go away, we have to figure out, how do I deal with this? And when you understand yourself from either the perspective of nature, sort of like, am I a fiery person? Am I an airy person? Mm -hmm. Am I the earthy person? And how those people, and again, using the the doshas, the vata, pitta, kapha, how do those people tolerate stress? How do they cope with stress? 
-hmm. How do they express stress? Mm. That if you start to learn that about yourself, and as you're learning it about yourself, you start to witness it in others, which also gives you even more information mm. about yourself, right? Because you can kind True. of now see it playing out in, in front of you. Um, in that way, the greatest gift is really knowing when you're stressed, knowing mm -hmm. what your stressors yes. are. And also, um, like, what is your reaction going to be? Like, I can predict what an airy person will do under stress. Mm -hmm. um, which is usually flee the scene, right? Like, <laughs> the avoidant tactic. Mm -hmm. Totally. Avoidant in a way where it's like distract, make busy, like mm -hmm. go to the next thing. Whereas a fiery person, it's like a see the snake, kill the snake approach. Mm -hmm. It's like, I see that and I'm going to tackle it, which also isn't necessarily like neither of those are great for those constitutions, mm -hmm. They're not necessarily great for anyone. And our earthy person will be like, <laughs> yeah, so, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but mm -hmm. it, it has mm -hmm. a different approach because also it comes from personalities and interactions and all your ideas that how you approach things will impact your being as a person. And in that, like, you are correct that most people don't know how to unpack or talk about their stress levels or where they are on their right. journey and what they're doing for themselves. I saw a friend of mine the other night and it was just, wow, like you need more than a hug, my friend. <laughs> like you, totally. you need some decompression zone and managing your company has frizzled you out in a way that I was like, I don't know. I was like, have you been outside today? In a way, because it is, you get stuck behind a computer, you're focusing on work and you're in that workaholic mode that a lot of people have, especially here. And then I was like, I go out every morning and go on my walk because I like to see nature and I, I talk to butterflies and I'm weird. I know that. But these are special gifts from being around nature. But I was raised in nature. So in a way that it's very comfortable for me. But I think that you ha I have so many friends that are uh, amazingly talented in a way that a high paced energy focused and stress focused environment in action based methods of being a producer of some kind. And it's just how did you take care of yourself the last week? What did you do for you? I took a long, long nap. I was like, okay, that's probably good. <laughs> mm -hmm. But if you're at that mm -hmm. point, how do you break away from the structure that we were talking about? How do you find a better rhythm or a better habit? And so Ayurveda has some of these practices that we're talking about for self-care mm -hmm. because you are mm -hmm. correct in a way that we were saying that our medical understanding is we're sick. We're going to the doctor and that's it. But can you heal before you get to that point that you're not mm -hmm. desperately trying to fix a pain, uh, illness, or some problem that you forgot that you're dealing with because you've been distracted on something that's more in your mind pressing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Because there's such a strong routine that is recommended that, so I, I use the word routine because I <laughs> routine is tricky, right? We mm -hmm. can have a negative feeling about it, but self-care routine, whatever you want to call it, even sometimes it's about discipline. And so a lot of these yes. practices are really meant to be a part of every day. They may not all be for you. Um, and they may be practices that are physical. They may be more spiritual. They may be or more emotional. It could be something as simple as using a tongue cleaner in the mm -hmm. morning and just oil pulling, I getting think your, 
Yeah. Um, oiling your body. There's a lot of oil used in Ayurveda. And what those things offer us, it's not just the act of what that practice is doing for you, but it's mm -hmm. also an act of checking in, right? Yeah. Like if you imagine that you have never used a tongue cleaner, you may have never looked at your tongue. Um, or if True. you don't use, if you don't oil your body on a regular basis, you don't, maybe you don't touch your entire body on a regular mm -hmm. basis. I mean, the same would go for like, if you're a yoga practitioner, you know how good it feels to mm -hmm. come into an asana that feels like home. And you just wonder, some people don't do this. And yeah. how would you know what your body feels like? So those practices are there to help keep us healthy. Um, mm -hmm. Like you mentioned, things like oil pulling, dry brushing, sometimes oiling your feet at night, the more basic ones that are, are kind of for everyone, but they're also there for us to just say like, hey, like, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> checking in. Today? Yeah, I mean, because I refer to it a lot is about the idea that your body is your temple, like you're in it. This mm -hmm. is you don't get to mm -hmm. upgrade it. I mean, you can do all kinds of other things that most people would decide. But the thing is, you live in this like this is you. Mm -hmm. And this is the one that you're going to carry throughout this entire lifetime. And if you can't check in with self and understand that your body needs some love, because you can't look from without for a relationship to give you the love or the family to give you the love or the mm -hmm. friends to give you the love. You have to love this first mm -hmm. and then take care of what it is. And I want to touch on the idea of um, oil pulling because they do that a lot. And mm -hmm. I don't know if I practice this, but I don't, I don't know how many people know what that is and what it does. So can you mm -hmm. elaborate on what oil pulling is? Sure. So oil pulling there's actually two forms of oil pulling. The one that we might know more about that, is, that kind of became popularized in the wellness world in the West, mm -hmm. I'd say maybe five to 10 years ago, is kind of, it's like using oil as a mouthwash mm -hmm. um, where you're using most often a base oil. The most often recommended oil in Ayurveda is sesame oil, which is considered to be the king of oils, said to be something that reaches all tissue levels great for most people. There are circumstances where we would not use sesame and we might favor something else. But when you swish with oil, it helps to pull impurities from your mouth. And so it helps with oral hygiene. And of course, we know that that's the first stage of digestion. And we know now everything comes back to digestion. Mm -hmm. But there's a second form of oil pulling, which is where you fill your mouth with oil mm -hmm. and you hold the oil in your mouth. And I'm talking like, not just like a minute, but like <laughs> maybe up to 10 minutes, 20 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. And this has a slightly different effect. And, and what might be recommended for one person versus another is if you think about the quality of swishing is movement, right? Mm -hmm. So if I were to ask you, do you need more movement in your life? Do you need more chaos? in your life? <laughs> or do you need more holding? Do you need more stillness in your life? Because those qualities are brought to you, believe it or not, through the way that you do your oil pulling. Mm -hmm. So there's never a time where there's not intention behind what you're doing. There's always a reason why. So you cannot be a practitioner of Ayurveda without like kind of knowing like I'm wearing this shirt today for a certain reason like or I'm choosing this food today for a certain reason I'm going to do it this way today because I feel a certain way um so oil pulling 
that might surprise you is actually not meant to be practiced every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that's maybe like a couple of times a week at max. Um, And again, circumstances where we might see it more or less. Um, But for oral hygiene, just a couple of times a week, and it's considered to be quite detoxifying. Yes. And in terms of pulling impurities, but it's a great practice. And, And because it, I mean, in some ways, when you see things that are sort of extracted from Ayurveda and they become popular without people really understanding the entire system, True. a part of you might go, ooh, like, wish they knew everything. Um, <laughs> but what's also beneficial about that is that you get things that come out of it like, well, we know that people don't want to have just sesame oil, right? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't taste that great. And so now there are companies that make these really great herbal oils that not only have wonderful herbs for oral hygiene, they also taste nice. So they like have a minty flavor or a cinnamon flavor so that, you know, we, we in the U.S. like to uh, be comfortable. (laughs) We like everything to be tasting better. I was like, oh, you know, Mm -hmm. but also when you investigate an idea of healing yourself from an Eastern tradition rather than a Western one and the practices, we get like tiny tidbits of information. And that's why Mm -hmm. you come to someone like yourself to kind of explain it more in detail that it's effects and positive and negative effects that can relate. Mm -hmm. So oral hygiene is an immense important uh, idea to focus on for your ultimate health in my mind from different experiences from relatives or other people that it always comes to how healthy your gums and your teeth are that results Mm -hmm. in other ailments that Mm -hmm. come from that. Mm -hmm. And it's a very important thing to do, but I agree with you. You can't do it like every day. It's not uh, like a relentless practice like brushing your teeth for instance mm-hmm. it's a different totally. you know a different understanding but most people don't know that they would be like i will do this every day because it whitens my teeth and i was like yeah <laughs> a little bit but mm-hmm. it, it's kind of mm-hmm. lo- like going for a, a more visual thing rather than a health thing which it mm-hmm. happened because we had that charcoal toothpaste for a while and everybody was mm-hmm. obsessed with charcoal toothpaste and i was like also don't swallow that it makes your stomach sick and mm-hmm. i only use charcoal specifically if i'm food poisoning and i was like that's what charcoal is for but it's not really a good one if you consistently swallow it <laughs> no, <laughs> great for but... Teeth, but you kind of miss the point of mm-hmm. the advertising bylines that says, don't, yes. don't swallow that. It actually reminds me of uh, one of my teachers, which at the time was not my favorite saying, and now it's one of my favorite sayings, where she says, everything is good and everything is bad, and nothing is good and nothing is bad, because <laughs> it expresses like everything is medicine, but mm-hmm. also everything could be poison. It depends yeah. on how you're consuming it. And that's an enlightening and very detailed understanding that I was asking you for some advice that you've received from someone. And that is a telltale Mm. moment that sometimes our teachers are like, I don't really agree with you. And then it comes to fruition that you're like, now I understand Mm -hmm. what you meant when I didn't really understand it before. Yeah. Yeah. It is like, oh, this is too much of that because it's always about finding a balance in life. Too much of one, too much of the other. Where's the difference of sliding scale? Too much up, too much down. Like, where do you find the medium of, you know, support and structure? And so you you mentioned before on yoga and yoga is a practice in an idea that it, it pairs with um, Ayurveda in the concept that it comes from India for the most part, and it is a practice. And Ayurveda is also a practice 
from what I know. And having a practice for yourself and taking care of your body structure because yoga, because you are also a yoga trained everything. (laughs) And um, it's just a thing that now when you stretch and move out and you feel certain aches and pains when you're doing an actual yoga session, I think it resonates Mm -hmm. to remind you, I probably have a, like I broke my ankle and maybe it's still hurting. Did I heal it enough or is it still residuals or my shoulder hurts for this reason and this this way doesn't work for me right now or my core structure is imbalanced. So it's a check-in too in the idea that everybody's yoga got a precedent of workout structure and mm-hmm. there's so many types of yoga, it's kind of obscenely too high that, you know, there's so many. But in that it's also finding a great uh, teacher for that and also mm-hmm. understanding sure. what, what your body can do, the learning of the structure and you and your own rhythm and your own pain is kind of a wake up call, I think, for some. Yeah. And Ayurveda and yoga are considered to be sister sciences. And if you are someone that loves to practice yoga and you love yoga philosophy and learning more about things other than just the physical practice of yoga, it might behoove you to learn about Ayurveda because it will really enhance everything that you do that's associated with your yoga practice. So even if it's just a physical practice that you're interested in, practicing different asanas for different seasons is something Mm -hmm. that Ayurveda teaches us that if you think about uh, an asana like malasana which is like a squat low to the ground Mm -hmm. right and I were to ask you what element does that express the most and it's earth right Mm -hmm. like you're close to the literal ground whereas something like Ardha Chandrasana like a half moon pose which is like expansive and open and you're taking up space and you might even be fanning out your fingers and pushing through your heel and reaching through the crown of your head the energy of that is moving out from center which is very different than moving down to the ground right Mm -hmm. so that has a much more because of the expansiveness feels more like air you can even feel air circulating around your body in that Mm. posture which you can't feel as much as you can in malasana right because you're more compact Mm-hmm. So they possess different elemental qualities, which make them more appropriate in different seasons, right? Mm-hmm. So not to say you can't do any asana in any season, but in the fall, in the winter, when it's getting cold and it's getting windy and it's getting dry, those expansive airy postures are not going to be as balancing or as good for us mm-hmm. as the things that are earthy and helping us to stay grounded because mm. they are bringing in the qualities that aren't present in what is in our environment it's like being in a place it's like being the calm in the storm Uh um, rather than getting swept up in the storm Hmm. enlightening concept it's also i i understand probably where you are it's it's getting cold and wintry and snowy while here it still feels like summer every day and we're in the 80s mm-hmm. and I forget and I miss the season so much that it's it's yeah. imperative that I've had someone kind of touchstone that's like, yeah, warmer foods for colder weather. And that makes sense. But also it's always warm in a point that it's also our seasons have changed in the last year that the actual weather has been erratic and unusual 
and so mm-hmm. it affects in different seasons that it, it was a long summer, a late summer and a long summer. And we're just getting mm-hmm. the winds that come in these warm winds, the Santa Anita's and they come in, they're very mm-hmm. warm gusts of wind and you feel hotter and it's just, you're still in summer for the most part here, which would be different if I was yeah. you know, up north and it's already snowing and it's got cold mm-hmm. or rainy and the temperature has dropped into later 40s or into the 30s or below. So mm-hmm. it's a different transition to know kind of mm-hmm. what. It's super, it, it's totally true that not, I am in a place where, I mean, we don't always have the most elegant of transitions in the seasons anymore. Like I remember when I was a child where things were really gradual and there was a clear spring Mm -hmm. that transitioned into a summer that transitioned into a very evident fall. But we had that this year and we had the slow change of the seasons and you can really appreciate it when you're around it. And so if you're someone that lives somewhere where you don't see those changes in your environment, I guarantee that there's still environmental changes. But I will say that then you might look to what season of life am I in? Mm-hmm. Or even what is the season of society, right? Like True. what's happening in the macro mm-hmm. as you are the micro and you can use it the same way. Like you mentioned, you're in the rat race, you know, mm-hmm. like you're in a place where that seems like a really great place to be practicing earthy things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or you get swept up in the rat race. So while that is not necessarily fall and windy and snowy and cold, like winter, it still has similar qualities to mm-hmm. winter. So mm-hmm. you can make the comparison and that's that becomes much easier when you really understand what the elements are and how to identify them in different sure. ways. Yeah, because it, it has to be a consistent reminder, especially here for a lot of people and myself included, that we are in a season of change and most of the time, especially in the creative industries we have a time period in march to october and then the season slows and everybody goes off to do their vacations they travel to winter places Mm -hmm. they go everywhere and they have maybe time off if they're lucky and then it gets to a quiet town and in a way that it's like busy 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 during the summer months and then the slowdown which is seasonal but not it's like Mm -hmm. intentionally seasonal in a way and unintentional because it's just yes it's now the getting to the you know, season of winter and now we're focusing on everything and then it has to have a break that we either check in, but then you get so mm-hmm. overwhelmed for a lot of people, company and visitations and everything like that, logistics to travel and where you're going and what you're doing. So it mm-hmm. has a lot of impartial kind of check-ins that you visit other seasons and how is your health doing before you go on mm-hmm. all these trips? And Right. You, you transition because uh, for me specifically, I used to travel to London often in the winter and I'm coming here and it's 70s, 80s. And then there it's like into the 10 or below zero. And so I have to prep mm-hmm. myself to arrive there with coats and all the blankets and all kinds of things to make sure that I don't get sick while I'm transitioning temperature. And I think yeah. that important to kind of understand how your body is doing maybe before Mm -hmm. you go on a a right and and what you're craving right because like Mm -hmm. you're you might be craving fruit in southern california Mm -hmm. you're not craving fruit in the cold no (laughs) london air 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. That's kind of the difference that I, I can still eat hummus on today rather than I would not be doing that if I was in, you know, Tahoe or Northern California mm-hmm. with a big bear or something like that, that it's already snowing. Yeah. I was like, I don't want a hummus. Where's mm-hmm. my soup? <laughs> it's soup yeah, season. Yeah, give me the soup. Give yeah, me the like hot warm, cocoa. Yeah, something hot like tea. tea to warm up the body enough that because mm-hmm. – for our family, when you get cold, you're so cold that it's hard to break the cold when it gets inside, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. Your body gets cold. Within and how do you... your bones. Mm-hmm. You're like that that yeah. cold thing. And sometimes people, you know, you've been raised in uh, Kansas City and that area that you're used to accommodating the idea of the seasons and how they kind of progress to your timelines and your aging factor mm-hmm. that you're like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's not that cold for me. And then you come here and it's like, mm-hmm. this is summer. <laughs> and then you go somewhere mm-hmm. else. It's like, that's cold. That's freezing. I'm, I'm too mm-hmm. cold. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. so thank you very much for everything and expressing the idea of Ayurveda and Ayurvedic styling of healing. I wanted you to answer one last question before we end our session. It was about the lesson, the most important mm-hmm. lesson that you have learned from a trial by error or a difficult grasping at something that you were attempting to do and what you took away from that moment. Mm-hmm. So many lessons to choose from. <laughs> um, most of the things that immediately come to mind have to do with business because I've been a business owner for quite a long time. And I have, on one hand, there's a lesson of learning that nobody cares about your business as much as you do. But the other thing is that knowing when to ask for help, right? Mm. And the lesson actually is maybe more people love to help. Like the first time someone told me that and they said, think about it, Sarah, like you love helping people. And I'm like, you're so right. Like if I <laughs> ask someone for help, like not only do I receive the help, but they also feel good too. And mm-hmm. so that was a big lesson because if you're sort of swimming in this sea and you feel maybe sometimes like you're alone and you're sort of drowning and, and you don't know that it's okay to ask for help. And then you realize, oh, everyone loves it. <laughs> People, <laughs> like, People oh. like it when I ask. That's a, that's a good one. And I mean, and it's probably just, maybe it's just perhaps unique to me because I'm not, I like to do things myself. Right. Mm-hmm. And knowing when that, that can't be done is really important. I think it's a good telling for a lot of people specifically about asking for help because most people have been just like you that it's like, I'll do it myself. I'll fix this. I could do that. I don't, I don't need anything. But then you help, help, help all these other people. And you're like, oh, it would be nice if I could ask for help from someone mm-hmm. else. But having the right environment of people showing up when you ask for help is a good core structure mm-hmm. of people that are the roots of your foundation of your tree of life. So thank you yeah. very much for being here today, Sarah uh, Kachera. Thanks so much. She had a new book just released, uh, The Seven Ways of Ayurveda. She is championing health and practicing personal healing basically your whole life. And then you are a myriad of things. A licensed chiropractor, a certified Ayurvedic practitioner, a registered yoga teacher, and a yoga therapist, as well as the entrepreneur you mentioned. All the notes for the bio will be in there so you can find Sarah and her healing work for Lefi. And I hope your practice on your new creation is amazing. But thank you for your time. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Tranquility Magazine Podcast. 
please subscribe and add your review and thoughts for our next interview type.